You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another fabulous edition of Word Bros. Rocking and socking, moving and strolling, having ourselves a a wonderful, wonderful day. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Bob? Man, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. We um we got a very good show today. I'm very excited about that. Um, things are awesome. But before we get going, yeah, I went to the doctor yesterday and I weigh 205 pounds down from I was 220. In like in like August, so I'm pretty. But you're very tall, so you you carry it well, so you're good. Well, it's just I'm just tall fat as opposed to being short fat. You know what I mean? It's just spread out on a six. I'm I'm just short fat, and I'm fine with it. It's it's fine by me. I'm good. I'll tell you, and I haven't been exercising or anything. I just stopped (laughs) eating sugar, like added sugar foods, and I've lost like 15 pounds. Like not even like fake sugar. No, nothing. No. I'll eat. I'll eat food okay. that has natural sugar, so like fruits and things like that. But anything, okay. anything that has added sugar in it, I won't eat. And I lost like fifteen pounds. That's that's a that's a pretty crazy Ooh. story. Yeah, and I did nothing. Like I didn't do anything. <laughs> like I didn't work out. I'm not running. I'm not just. I said I look at food and I go, okay, this bread has added sugar. I'm not eating this bread. I'm getting sugar free bread. No added sugar bread. I eat that bread. I don't eat jelly anymore. No, none of that stuff. No chocolate, ice cream, nothing. I just no ice cream. That's hard I, for you, Bob. Like I'm I impressed because you, because because those of you who don't know, like Bob's favorite thing to do at a convention would be to have ice cream for dinner. Yes, it would be. Or like, the- or at one heroes, he's like. I'm just going to buy a whole chocolate peanut butter pie and that's what we're having for dinner. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not eating that because I, I don't really eat sugar like that. But like, I, if I, I'm not as strict as like a, a no added sugar, but he was like, we're going to do that. And that's what he did one when, when well, I like he, and we'd go for ice cream for dinner all the time. I would well, just yeah, that's, be like, that was get the something problem. Else later. That was the problem though. I was going for ice cream all the time. Were you okay? Oh yeah. Like Stephanie and I, like ice cream was like a lifestyle for us. We would just eat ice cream every day. So, I mean, when you don't eat, you know, ice cream five times a week, you lose weight. Like it's I'll tell you something weird. weird though. Have you ever had custard? I have custards. Okay. Okay. I, I, I was going to say, cause I, I'm not sure what I think about it because I had custard for the first time yesterday and I was like, I don't know. Like it, it seems like you're just trying to make ice cream fancier and that's hard to do. Ice cream's already pretty good. Like, how are you going to make it any better? This, I don't feel like this worked. Like this is a, this is a nice try, good attempt, but like, it's not better than any other ice cream I've ever had. Good try. Good, nice good try, try custard. Good try custard. <laughs> try your best. And, and, and speaking of people who try their best. Well, I mean, this guy doesn't try. He's a goddamn Eisner award winner. Okay. Well, we've that's had, true. We've had two Eisner award winners on recently kevin you realize that with with um with the all yeah comics guys and then yes and then now gideon kendall who's going to be on today that's a lot of eisners and we've had like eisner nominated people on a whole lot too yeah 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 yeah. these are these are are winners kevin well being nominated is important too remember what it was like to just be nominated for the ringo that was important to us so like being nominated is important yeah but these are winners i got talking to winners Winners, winners, yes. Winners. winners. So we're talking to Gideon, Kendall. We are losers talking to winners. <laughs> Two losers who talk to winners. That's what we are. To, we're going to talk to Kitty, uh, Gideon Kendall about his book, What's It and So, So Much More.
All right, we got a bunch of old white guys in glasses here tonight on Word Bros. <laughs> <laughs> we are joined today by uh, Gideon. Gideon, what is your last name? That's very uh, Kendall. Kendall, uh, there it is. There uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Very unprofessional of me not to know your last name when we're doing the interview. What a schlub I am. Hey. Don't worry about it. I, I I don't use my last name very much. I was I was uh, cursed with a weird name, uh, and with a weird name, you don't have to use your last name very much. You know? So you just so you just go by Gideon when you're doing your comic work. It's just Gideon. I mean, I put like on the like if if my name's on the cover, it's got both my names. But if I sign my work, I just I just sign it with my first name. See, I, I do the same thing. I do Bob. I do dot, 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 B-O-B, dot, 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 because I like the way it looks. Like, it's got a nice... Oh, that's bold. Trip. I like that you do that even with a, a more typical name. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel not, like it's... Not, not, not in any way to belittle your name at all. Oh, not at all. No, I, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not offended at all, Gideon. So believe me, it's fine. <laughs> Sign both of mine, but that's just because, and 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 very fancily too. Bob makes fun of it every time. <laughs> so you are a very successful dude. You've got your book. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, you're yeah, working I mean, with, dude. Come on, you're working with Eric Powell, who's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. So no, you've had I've had some really cool stuff happen to me in the last few years. I cannot complain. Yeah. So t- tell us about the book you did with uh, Eric Powell of the Goon fame. Uh, well. So um, I, I did this book called Mega Ghost with uh, Gabe Soria. Uh, he's the writer. Uh, and we, uh, we had this, well, Eric, uh, sorry, Gabe had this crazy idea about this like uh, ghost robot, this giant ghost robot. And uh, uh, we did this comic called Mega Ghost and Eric put it out. Eric put out five issues of it. And that was awesome. Uh, you know, they all came out during the pandemic and or uh so i don't think anybody bought them but it was really fun. <laughs> it was really fun to make those books and uh then we made a trade paperback version of it uh which is out now uh and you know that was super fun eric did some artwork for us he did a, a variant cover and um you know he put the books out and distributed them through uh through his albatross funny books company and and that was super cool having having the eric powell you know seal of approval uh was was really good for the book um and then eric uh asked me to draw the first issue of his own book uh called lester of the lesser gods and that was a big thrill for me i don't know if you've seen that book but it's hilarious it's a really gross funny over the top action like post-apocalyptic sword and sorcery action book and i had a blast drawing it um like a lot of things i do it un- it's unclear whether there's going to be any more issues of it <laughs> I, I i hope that there are but even just doing one was was super fun i, I was really uh um i mean you know whenever i get to work with a really good writer like someone who really knows how to write comics uh, I learned so much, like as I'm trying to write my own stuff, um, uh, which is really hard for me. Um, when I get a chance to work with writers like Gabe or like Eric, you know, I end up learning a lot in that process. Now, how was it? Uh, Eric Powell, oh, I've never met the man, 
but he has this very intimidating presence. Like, how was it working for him and with him? Were you? Were oh, he's you, a, were, well. I mean, he's a big dude, and he's incredibly talented and pretty famous. So I guess yeah. in that way, in that way, he is intimidating. But he is the sweetest guy. He is so nice. Um, he's just genuinely kind. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a little freaked out when I first met him too. Uh, uh, for both, both for his his reputation, his talent, and then like his size. You know, yeah, because there's because there's a good chance that if that book stinks, it's probably going to be your fault, Gideon. Like you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's such a talented dude, and everybody well, loves him. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I've already decided that the reason that it wasn't a huge hit was completely my fault. No, I mean, that, that's Gideon. No, that's, that's, that's just comics, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I know, but but I mean, like I said, it, it is a really fucking funny book like it's it's so i had so much fun drawing it and you know it was like nothing it's like nothing but just sick humor and action so like i mean that sounds amazing so i'm I'm gonna say that mega ghost also sounds amazing i'm not gonna lie like it's a ghost robot like yeah like you sold 12 year old me like with the first two words ghost robot like okay i'm in and gabe is a great writer too like gabe really knows how to write comics like super like snappy efficient funny uh like makes you feel stuff so um yeah mega ghost was super fun and uh i don't know i'm I'm hoping that we'll get to make more um i don't think uh, albatross is going to put out another i think eric's kind of scaled back he uh he for a couple years there he was putting out a bunch of stuff by other artists and writers um and i think he lost a ton of money (laughs) doing that uh on people like me but um, oh god let's get and stop so he scaled back on that a little bit um but uh i was glad to be a part of it and yeah i'm I'm really proud of the mega ghost book um it would make an awesome saturday morning cartoon um it's it's definitely it's much more kid friendly than anything else that i've done like everything that i've done has been pretty messed up in one way or another <laughs> well, I mean, except for marley's ghost but like the you know me, uh the lester book and and my own book what's it are definitely not for kids now the marley's ghost you won an eisner for that right yeah that was wild that yeah, was that's amazing right? T- tell us about that like i said like i've had some really good luck uh the last few years after like i I was into comics in junior high school and high school and thought I was going to move to New York and work for Marvel. And then I moved to New York to go to art school and ended up like going down more of a fine art route for a long time. And then I was in a band and did a bunch of other blah, 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 blah. But um, I didn't get back to comics till like my mid forties. And I was lucky enough to uh i don't know do you guys know who josh o'neill is he he runs beehive books doesn't Um, ring a bell beehive books uh they're like they make these like really beautiful high-end uh comic art books and uh anyway he used to run a comic book store in philadelphia and he he hosted uh, a little like a super indie comic con and like right when i started making comics like i was like 42 i guess 43 I went down and did that show and I had, I only had like two self-published books, but I met Josh and we got along really well and he liked my stuff. And then a few years later, he's good friends with Dennis Kitchen and Dennis Kitchen wanted to finish Harvey Kurtzman's 
uh, adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which I, I don't know how much you know about that, but you know, it's just something that he had wanted to do for a long time. And of course, this was back in the 70s when no one knew what a graphic novel was. And so even though he was Harvey Kurtzman, no one would publish it. Um, so, you know, he never finished the project. Um, Dennis Kitchen, along with Chip Mosier of Comixology, they got together and like, hey, let's let's finish Kurtzman's thing here. Who should we have draw it? And my friend Josh, for some reason, said, hey, I know this guy Gideon who whose work looks a lot like old Mad Magazine stuff. You should check him out. And so the next thing I knew, I was at Dennis Kitchen's 70th birthday party, hanging out with Dennis Kitchen and all these other like people whose names I had seen in comics since I was a kid. And then I got to be the artist on that book and it, it won the Eisner for best digital comic. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it really was. It was like, it was totally nuts. It was totally nuts. Like, what did you say when they, when they called, when they called it out, like you won the Eisner, like what, did, well, what was your exact words? Well, we were still like trying to like find our table with our plates of food. <laughs> Cause, like, the, the digital comic is like, it's like one of those first awards they give, you know, it's like very much down the list of importance, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, they're building towards the, the big ones. And so I was standing there, I was literally standing there with like holding my plate in one hand holding my drink in the other hand and trying to figure out some way to take a bite of the food on my plate because I was really hungry. And the next thing I know, like I hear Josh yell, and I look over at Josh and he's like standing up and saying, we got to go up there. We got to go up there. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So, <laughs> so I didn't really have any time to be nervous uh, at the ceremony. And that was great. Because I've awesome. never won anything before in my life. <laughs> he sounds like you, Bob. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so, so then you like you've done all this, and then you did Marley's Ghost, and and now you're doing what's it? So tell us about what what's it is. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we move on, like, okay. how does it feel to like? be it because you won an eisner and like you're an overnight success at 45 years old or whatever like how does that feel to like be that dude you know uh i i, I mean i certainly wouldn't pretend that it doesn't feel great it does feel incredibly <laughs> great um you know validation you know you know what it's like to be an artist you're sitting you're staying up late by yourself you know, riddled with self-doubt, like just trying to draw all this stuff. And you're like, is anyone going to like this? Is anyone going to care? So, <laughs> so, you know, it was super awesome to get some validation. Um, I also like, honestly, and this isn't like false modesty or anything, like I feel like a total imposter. It's like, wait a minute, what happened? Like, That's so I just like, I just like, you know, went through all these weird twists and turns in my life, lost my way a number of times, did a bunch of stupid shit um weird career paths and whatever and so there's some imposter syndrome to like to be like well wait I know all these people now like I've gotten to know so many people in the industry who've worked their ass off for so long and who many of them are like way more well known than me and have sold a lot more books than me but they've never won an Eisner and so I feel a little bit of resentment from them. And I'm like, look, I, I don't know how this happened. It just happened. <laughs> and I'm glad that it did. Um, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. not sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not 
I'm definitely not sorry. What would what, I mean? What would make me really happy is if we could finally get that book actually out in print. Um, yeah, yeah. Still only in, in digital form, and is my my great hope that sometime in the next couple of years there'll be like a big, beautiful hardcover version of it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's you know it's it's amazing. I um, I can't complain. Now you're the second dude in recent weeks. We had Bob Finkerman on a couple of weeks oh. ago and, and Bob was talking about uh, imposter syndrome. And it's something that I think all of us as creatives and creators kind of go through. How do you Eisner award-winning Gideon Kendall, it's you know, like how I threw that in just Eisner award-winning Gideon. How do you deal with that? Like, like what, what keeps you motivated what keeps you going and battling through your own version of imposter syndrome? Um, you know, I'm pretty lucky in that, like I was one of those people who I had artists for parents. Oh, and okay. So I wasn't, I never really had to fight that hard to, to like be who I am. Like, I'm really fortunate in that way. Like I know, I know plenty of other, I have plenty of other artist friends, whether they be musicians or cartoonists or painters or whatever, who like, whose parents just never under, understood them and never, you know, never. Um, and I didn't have to deal with that. And I'm grateful for that. So I kind of always knew this is some version of this is what I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to figure out which kind because, you know, I, I went, I went to like a really pretentious, fancy art school where they told me that comics were stupid. And, you know, so, and I, I at the time I was just like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll play along, like I'll make abstract art, like, you know, I'm a good boy. Um, and, uh, you know, but then I got out of school and I was like, I'm bored and music is way more fun. And so I did music for a long time um and uh then I ended up like by accident just because I was broke and I had to like do something for a living somebody and I, I don't even remember who gave me this advice but someone gave me some really good advice which was that if you're not doing what you're best at to earn a living you're cheating yourself like even if even if what you're best at isn't what the world thinks is valuable like you know if you're if you're terrible at being a doctor but you still become a doctor, you're going to be a shitty doctor. You'll probably end up as a dentist, like nothing against dentists, but like <laughs> a lot of my understanding is that a lot of dentists are, are like people who wanted to be doctors, but couldn't hack, you know, that path. Yeah, anyway. that's a, that's a bold claim, Gideon. That's a bold <laughs> claim. No, but I've heard that that's why dentists are so depressed. Like a lot of dentists have, <laughs> and I'm, I love my dentist. I, I feel like this is like terrible. I've, I've pinned myself into a corner here where I'm bad mouthing dentists. And I don't want to do that because I need them. I'm 55. I, mean, I need dentists. The, I need the, like the Steve Martin song from the uh, Little Shop of Horrors comes to mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> now, how did I get onto a tangent about dentists? Yeah, I don't know what this whole thing about you and the dental industry oh, is. Oh, imposter but... syndrome. Um, yeah. yeah. What um, you're saying is he wanted to be a dentist and it didn't work out. <laughs> right, right. Well, I wanted to be so I wanted to be a fine artist. And like when I tried that once I got out of school, like galleries just laughed at me. I tried to be like a, a punk rock star and that didn't go so well. And I I I tried to be uh, I tried to be a children's book illustrator and I did okay at that. I illustrated a bunch of children's books, but I couldn't get any of my own published. Um, 
and uh, I got to be like, I got to be about 40 and my, my wife, who's also an artist, she's an incredible sculptor, uh, collage kind of artist. Um, she was like, why don't you like, why don't you stop trying to be the kind of artist that you're not and make what you love? Like, you've always told me how much you love comics. Like, why don't you make a comic? I was like, that's an interesting idea. I just need an idea. And uh, well, then two things happened. One was, I was like, well, shit, I need an idea if I'm going to make a comic and I don't have any ideas. Then I got introduced to my friend, Doug Latino, who is uh, kind of an autobiographical uh, comics writer in the Harvey Picar kind of vein. Mm -hmm. And he was looking for an artist. And I was like, well, look, I need to start making comics. Like the only way I'm going to remember how to make comics is if I start making some. So we kind of started, uh, we started a book, the two of us, and we've, we've self-published seven issues of it so far called Wait, It Gets Worse. And um, it's like short autobiographical stories, mostly his, but I do a couple of my own as well. And that kind of got me going um, into like just getting into the rhythm of making comics after so many decades of not doing it. And then one morning, I just woke up with this idea. Like I, I woke up with this idea where I, I was like, hmm, what if pimples were like gateways into another dimension? And like, what if there were aliens on the other side of, you know, in that dimension, looking <laughs> back at us through our pimples? And I told a couple of people that idea and they all thought it was the most disgusting, awful thing they'd ever heard. And that's how I knew I had my idea for a comic. <laughs> and that's an interesting segue into what what's it is about. Like, I think like as, a, as starting to read it, I was like, it's funny that you mentioned it earlier. I was like, this looks like something that you would see in Mad Magazine, but like scaled up some, I would say like, like there's a definite level of like um, gross. It's like it's like garbage pail kids had a had a baby with with Mad Magazine, I'm not, and that that's meant as a compliment. Hopefully, you take it as such. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, I you know obviously I I love Mad Magazine, and I got to work for them for a while before you know before the end. Um, but uh, and garbage pail kids, I had all those cards um, when I was younger. Um, yeah, I mean it, it really in what's it i'm synthesizing i mean that's that's all we do right is we synthesize the things we like mm -hmm. into something that hopefully if you synthesize enough different things uh you come up with something original and i i don't know if it's original or not but it feels uh you know it feels like so so much of the book is really um as outrageous and grotesque as it is a lot of it is really autobiographical. Um, it is based on a lot of my experiences growing up in rural environments, feeling like I was in the wrong place uh, and like the, you know, the weird kind of backwards culture uh, that I was in or what seemed that way to me. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, the story has a lot of autobiographical elements and the artwork is a synthesis of the things that, made me want to make comics when I was a kid like it is it's it's Jack Davis and Mort Drucker and EC comics uh and heavy metal really like mm -hmm. um I still have 
I still have a manila folder of pages that I tore out of heavy metal That's awesome. when I was 15 years old that I was like, this is what, like, if I could make a comic, I'd want it to look like this, you know, and then mixed in, like, also, like, uh, the things that etched into my mind were like the early Bill Sienkiewicz Moon Knight comics, um, really anything that Klaus Janssen inked, um, Gene Colan, um, some Frank Miller, um, but uh, I, I tended to like stuff that was like a little bit more fluid, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I mean, all that stuff is, you know, mixed around in there in terms of the visual aspect of it. Well, one thing I found really interesting in, in reading through it was um, it seems like the, like the aliens kind of have this like adolescent shorthand down, like that's their language. So I thought that that was really like a fun way to portray as it, if you think about it. And, and like, was that done intentionally or like, did you, was it like supposed to just be like their own thing and it was separate from that? Well, the, the, the idea was that if you got these, if you got these aliens from another, like from another dimension, they know nothing about Earth culture their own world has no pleasure no like like nothing good about it their their life is just toil and torture and exhaustion like that's all they have so when they look through these uh zip portals and 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 witness the lives of american teenagers you know the joke to me was that american teenagers think their life is shit um but to to an alien from this world like it's paradise you know but they're all but they're seeing this very myopic right they have one eye so they have no depth perception plus they're seeing it through this <laughs> weird portal thing and they're not really hearing it right right they can hear but they're not really hearing it right so their idea of what the english language is is like comes through in the way that they talk and mm -hmm. And then because they are so just inherently vulgar, they, their mishearing of, of, of the English language is to vulgarize everything and to turn every word into a vulgar version of that word. So that's why, you know, mind becomes mound, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Ship becomes shit, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And what that allows me to do, because uh, right now I'm working on book two, um, and, you know, at the end of book one, the alien comes, I sh well, maybe I shouldn't say, but anyway, no, no, don't shush, shush, shush. Yeah. we want um, people to read it, man. It, it, that, that, that weird language thing. One, it's just a lot of fun. Um, right. someone sort of, uh, someone in reviewing the book compared it to Lewis Carroll, which, which of course was super, uh, you know, made me really excited. Um, cause I love that kind of wordplay, you know, so it's kind of like a modern gross version of, Lewis Carroll kind of wordplay, I guess. That's awesome. That was a really long, that was a really long pause. I was trying to figure out why the pause was because I was I was on your shot Simon and Schuster page looking at your what's it book for you, my man, checking all that stuff out. That's gotta be uh, kind of, I mean, you're big time. You got a you got a book on Simon and Schuster's page, my man. Like take that high school, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, like I said, like all kinds of cool stuff have happened for me in the last few years. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep making stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I think like when I'm feeling bitter or unsatisfied, I'm like, man, 
I wish some of this stuff had happened for me when I was young and had the energy to really like capitalize on it. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take this for sure. And um, you know, I'm. It does get hard sometimes to like churn out the pages. Um, making comics is hard. I think. I think something <laughs> that I. That's something I didn't realize. Like when I was in high school and I was, you know, I was subscribed back then you had to subscribe to marvel comics and they would come in this little paper sheath right because i lived i lived in the middle of fucking nowhere like i couldn't there was no comic book store to go to like the drugstore would have some stuff but the drugstore was run by these very christian people so it was very rare that anything other than archie would slip you know would slip onto the racks there so i had to subscribe um so i get these comics in the mail and i'd read them and like i had the artist that i that I liked. Um, uh, I had the artists that I loved and the ones that set my brains on fire. And then I had the artists that, you know, that I thought were hacks. I was like, oh, these guys can't draw. But I guess what I realize now is that those guys who I thought couldn't draw were fucking awesome. <laughs> they, they were like, without computers, that they were churning out 60 pages a month. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and telling telling what honestly what were some pretty stupid stories like you know some of those some of those like mid-range marvel comics of the 70s are like the writing's pretty bad you know (laughs) but the artists just the artists just drew it man they did it yeah drew it and they made sure that every character looked consistent in every panel and that alone like anyone who can do that like that's so fucking hard i think (laughs) about i think about comics back in the day like how the hell do they even color them like i know that sounds really stupid to say now because now it's all done on computers but like how did they color comics back in the day like how did that happen like how did that process work like that was so it just just blows my mind it was so delayed gratification right like think about it like i mean i i don't know what your your process is but like for me like i i'll do rough sketches on paper then i scan that in uh, and I move things around digitally and then I ink it digitally uh, and then I color it digitally. And it's like, there's so many opportunities to like fix things and like kind of get a little bit of a sense of what the final product's going to look like. Mm-hmm. But like, think back to those guys, like you pencil a page and then you hand it off to a total stranger. And then, you know, <laughs> I don't know, however many weeks later, it gets printed on newsprint in some shitty way with like colors that weren't <laughs> your idea. It's like, what a weird, what a weird thing. Like yeah. so little control. Like, and they would, and they just like, they're good soldiers. They just churned it out, you know? So like when in the Marvel process, you didn't like have a character or anything. You had specific artists that so you were subscribing to different books that different artists did, or were you, were you, did you have a character that you were following as a kid? For me, it was always about the art. Like, <laughs> honestly like i'm not really a story guy i think that's why story is hard for me like i can come up with like dumb gags or like cool action sequences but the i'm learning this the hard way because I'm, I'm trying to write a middle grade graphic novel series now and i'm working with a with a writer coach on that and that sounds really cheesy but like you know i'm working with him it's always about like you know stop thinking about the scenes you know, think about the characters. What do the characters want? What, what, you know, what, where do these characters need to go? And like, 
that's a that's not my normal way of thinking mm -hmm. um uh and so back when i first got into comics like i think it really was mostly about like did the artwork look cool you know yeah, I, could yeah, read, yeah. I could read like i said like i think a lot of the comics weren't particularly well written back then but i could stomach a, a pretty a cheesy story if the artwork was great yeah but similarly also like if an artist who i didn't like took over a book or like did they, you know there'd be like a fill-in issue you know um like i was a huge gene Collin fan um anything that he drew uh i knew was at least gonna like be fun to look at uh but then there'd be like some fill-in issue and I, I won't name names i don't want to like i said i they don't I, hurt feelings. i know enough i know enough about how hard it is to draw comics now that i wouldn't badmouth anyone but like if it you know if, it, if there'd be a fill-in issue by someone who i didn't like i probably wouldn't even read the issue i couldn't i couldn't bring myself to you know right. i mean but that's just because like you know art is always first for me that's what i know that's that's the only part i really know yeah See, it's interesting because like I'm I'm a writer by trade. I can't draw to save my life. I've never had any patience for it. I don't understand how art works. I know what Artists I like. Suckers, man. <laughs> <laughs> it takes so long. It takes so long and you never get it right. Um, but the thing is though, I mean, but you're a guy and a guy who doesn't need me or Kevin because you can yes. write your own shit, right? Like that's when I'm afraid it's essentially mm. like, it's like the Terminator, you know, how like Skynet <laughs> kind of turns against the world and all the robots come out and like, essentially all the artists are going to realize like, Hey, we don't need writers. And then they were just going to become obsolete and the you Terminators are going to come and kill us all. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about that with me because like I have one good idea every 10 years and then it takes me 10 years to tell that story so well like, i'm gonna be dead before that's even an issue i mean <laughs> i'm getting better at writing like i am getting better you know um but it's hard like it's hard for me um we're not getting better at drawing gideon <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening <laughs> but you know I, what amazes me are are the people who are really good at both you know um frank miller in his prime like you know the his ability to you're so good at page composition and and expression and all that and yet also just seem to like have an endless supply of original stories and ways of like just reinventing and subverting pre-existing characters like yeah. you know i was my son is 13 and i've been getting him to read uh a lot of the older like the the early run of miller's daredevil and i and i you know i'm it's just like i'm a 13 year old geek all over again yeah blown away at how he took all these really cheesy characters like daredevil's villain you know villain posse was like the third rate the crappiest villain posse in marvel comics they you know and he took all those villains and made them awesome yeah you know yeah um, and then, you know, in, in current day, like someone, someone like Noah Van Syver, who seems to be able to just write and draw endless books of his own. I, I love his work. Bob Fingerman. Bob Fingerman. I, was talking with, I was talking with Bob about this. Uh, we were, we were chatting a few days ago and like, he's telling me about how he has like five pitches out, you know, and he's just finished uh, the treatment for this other story and he's just finished the script uh for a book that he's going to start drawing now um I, do you guys know mike cavallero 
Um, I don't know personally. The name sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. He's, he's an old friend of mine. He's someone who I really admire. He he's doing mostly uh, like you know a young graphic like middle grade to younger graphic novel series. Now it's a great series called Nico Bravo, and you know it's for younger kids. But they're so well written, and he just like he sits down and writes a whole script before he even starts drawing the book. Um, Jason Little is another one who does that same process, and those are the guys who I'm really envious of. Like I'm like I want to do that. Like I want to be able to have the discipline and the skill to like sit down and write a book before I start drawing it, and then I'd avoid all these problems that I get myself into, <laughs> like um, like on what's it? Like I you know I'd done that myself. I did four issues uh, as self-published individual issues and then heavy metal awesome comes along and says, we want to put it out as a standalone book. And I, I'm like, Oh, that's great. The only problem is these comics don't make any fucking sense. Cause I did them over 10 years without an editor. Uh, and fortunately my friend, Josh O'Neill, who I mentioned before uh, and uh, uh, my friend, Oliver Irving, who's a movie uh, an, an indie movie guy they both helped me like they both kind of helped me chop up those four issues and get rid of some stuff and add some stuff uh, and you know get it to the point where at least it's making more sense than it did before well, I mean, and now we're in that process with book two um, but you know for me it's like I just like we, we get um, I'm working with Oliver on that and we got the outline for book two and I was like great I'm gonna start drawing it and I go ahead and I, I like rough pencil 110 pages. Um, and, uh, and then we're looking at it. We're like, you know what? We got to change some shit. Cause this, you know, and I'm like, oh no. You know, That's so weird. Like, to, like, so you out, so like you went right from your rough outline to pen to like, like a pencil thing. You didn't just, you didn't like try to write a script first or anything like that. You just said like, fuck it. I'm just going to start drawing. Like, how does that work? Cause that's hard for me. Cause I'm impatient and that part's hard for me. And uh -huh. also, well, like going back to the old Marvel, like that's the Marvel method, right? Just filling yeah. it in. Yeah. That's yeah. What they did. But that's why so many of the stories are, are lame and cheesy because <laughs> Stan would just be like, all right, we introduce this character and then they fight and then they team up and they, you know, and then Gene Cullen or, or, or John Romita or one of these amazing artists, be like, okay, I'm going to fit all that into 30 pages or what, 23 pages, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 23 back then. They yeah. do it, they do it, and it would look amazing. Uh, and then someone, Stan or someone, would just like write a bunch of cheesy dialogue over the top of it. So yeah. it works, but it doesn't work by today's standards. You know, it's hard. I, I can say, and I, I, Kevin and I disagree on this. I can't stand working in the Marvel method, it's very difficult for me. Like, I it because I feel like I'm I'm trapped in the in the panels and the expressions and sometimes it's hard to come up with kind of witty or snappy dialogue. I'm I just feel like I'm I'm emoting too much of what I see on the on the panel. But Kevin and, and really, I like it. Kevin see, really I like it. it. I like it because like I'm like okay now I know exactly like how to nail down what's going on because the artist is already like like this is what's supposed to be going on and they nailed it. So like, it's easy for me to go, okay, like, okay, the dialogue here should be, and, and, and it makes it not cheesy to me because then I'm like, oh, it matches the expression. It matches this. Like, I don't have to worry about if this, if these two things match up. So for me, I go, Oh, okay. Like, I'll just do that part. Like sometimes with him, I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to do this with this part. And he'll say, 
okay, well, well, we'll do that with that part. And then we'll, we'll go through and I'll do the, that part just because it's easier for me. But like, he doesn't like it because he's like, I don't know what, I don't know what they should say there. Like he'll say right. stuff like and that. The I, don't know. I feel like there's not enough room for, for the balloons. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so that's a whole nother thing. Like, yeah. man, I, I'm, I'm terrible at I, I've always, whatever kind of art I've done in my life. Like back when I did fine art and, uh even when i worked in in children's books like my one of my big problems is that i never leave enough space like i'm not <laughs> i'm one of those people who wants to pack pack every panel full of stuff um, um so um i i often don't leave enough room for word balloons which is why i end up doing more of my work digitally than than i would like i i'd, I'd like to spend more time you know working on paper but just the the ability to resize and move things around digitally, I end up having to do a lot of that because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm terrible at leaving enough room for the word balloons. Um, I'm getting better at it though. Like I would say like, um, even though we are ending up changing some things for what's it book two, I'm doing, I'm having to do a lot less of that than in previous books. Um, but it's, it's still a challenge. Like just that, that's another thing that's amazing about those those old comics. Like they just knew they they knew how to think ahead like that. Mm -hmm. Of course, then you would also see places where they obviously didn't like. And I love those panels in the old Marvel comics where like you can tell that just the panel got way too overloaded. You know, the word, <laughs> balloon, is the, the word balloon is like oozing around someone's yeah, face. Yeah. Or something, you know? <laughs> in fact, well, I, think... I like I really like playing with word balloons in, in that way and. One of the things, one of the sort of conceits that I have in, in What's It is that there's a lot of overlapping word balloons mm -hmm. so that I'll have, uh, because the aliens speak a language uh, that's incomprehensible uh, to us. So when there's an alien speaking uh, in alien speak, I'll have a dialogue uh, uh, box over it uh, with someone saying what they're saying uh, and things like that. Um, I also have this idea where I want to do a series of drawings where it's famous comic book panels, but from the side, like <laughs> you redraw the same comic book panel, but like, as if you're standing in the gutter and then you, all the word balloons are sideways, but they're like, they're like three-dimensional blobs and all the characters are facing the other direction from where they are in the panels. Is that totally ridiculous? It is. Right. Well, I, I just don't know how that would like work. So like it's because because my brain doesn't work visually in that way. So like it's them like sideways. So everything, everything's a profile or, shot. Well, well, if if that's well, if they're facing front in the panel, like I don't know what. Oh, it would be. I see. You know I what see. I mean? Like it would so almost you, be like it would be like like take some like famous comic book panel and imagine that there was a second camera. Oh, um, okay. Okay. And the camera was somewhere else in the room uh but also imagine that the word balloons are three-dimensional blobs floating in space so you have to also like you know draw them in that way okay that that's it's, it's interesting i definitely check a look at it because i think that, that would be fun easily see myself like wasting an entire year <laughs> like trying well, to draw something. what would be the first one of these that you would do though so you had to have an inspiration somewhere um well so i teach i teach two courses at sva uh, one is drawing for cartoonists and the other one is digital inking. And so for both of those classes, I do a lot of things where I'll, I'll just show like a, I'll, I'll show a slideshow of 
a whole bunch of comic book panels from like all different styles, um, superhero stuff, anime stuff, um, indie stuff, whatever. And um, I'll use them as like opportunities to like teach about different, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, like different tools. Um, okay. Let's talk about perspective. Let's talk about not, not just linear perspective, but atmospheric perspective and scale and relative scale and camera angle and you know light sources and how do you create tension how do you how do you create fear how do you create romance you know and like what are the tools for that because uh, i'm really interested in in expression both in the human figure but also in terms of cinematography like i i teach my classes basically my, my whole idea is like stop thinking of yourself as a comic book artist and imagine yourself as a movie director and the comic is your movie and your characters are your actors. You got to teach your actors to act. If you don't have, if you have bad actors, your movie's going to suck. So how, so you need to master facial expression and, you know, body expression and all that kind of shit. Um, so I'll show lots of comic book panels in different styles and talk to them about how, like, hey, it doesn't matter what style you work in, you're still trying to make a movie, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and like, this is, this, these are the ways that all these different artists in different styles do it. Um, so, you know, that kind of thing. I dig that. I dig that. That's interesting. I got to tell you, Gideon, you're a one uh, Eisner award-winning, interesting fellow over there, but uh, man, I don't, I don't get this, you know, I don't, I don't get this imposter syndrome stuff. You got a lot of good stuff going on. You've you got the Eisner, this, 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 what's it book looks pretty fucking good. I mean, cause it's, it's, it looks like, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, as someone that writes silly and stupid comics, it looks silly and stupid in the best way possible. Sweet. Well, I mean, it is. It is. Um, Bless you. Yeah, like, I, if, I hope that it's that. I hope that it's like, I hope that it's gross and sad and funny. And, but and it looks stupid. really fun. Like, I'm super into At it. At the same time, yeah. Yeah, at the same time, it was like that. That's what I. That's what I was saying is uh, that it. It, it kind of reminds me of like if you took Mad Magazine and married it with Garbage Pail Kids and then made a story out of like what that marriage looks like. Cool. Yeah, I, I would maybe like <laughs> throw in like some '70s horror movie in there. Uh, I don't know. Like, pick one. Uh, your choice. '70s yeah. horror movie. Oof, that's a, that's a that's a tough one. Maybe like the uh, Halloween's one of my favorites, but I like I like John Carpenter anything. So like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like I actually can't watch horror movies. I get way too freaked out. But I <laughs> love I way, love yeah. horror comics. I love horror comics. Um, so you know, uh, and I I mean I, I've watched I've watched like some of the classic horror movies, but I really have to prepare myself. Yeah. In reading it, it felt like it felt like the Creep Show. Like yeah. the creep show, the '80s creep. Like I felt like that. Like I liked the the vibe that you had there because it had a de definitively like, like definitely like adolescent vibe, but like fun and then like gross at the same time. Like the like creep yeah. show. Like I would say creep show is a perfect one for that because mm -hmm. like when I first saw that movie, I was young and like Ted Danson getting buried at the beach, or was, was Ted Danson the bad guy in that one? Or no, he, George Papard was. Ted Danson and his and George Papard wife got buried up to their necks at the beach and then they became back as zombies to kill like george papar it was very strange ted dancing really yeah i think it's ted dancing that's in a creep show i don't know about that i gotta look oh, google it google it uh, he's gonna look he's gonna look and i'm gonna tell you i think ted dancing was in creep show 
I, I, think know, I did not know his career stretched that far back. That's pretty cool. I mean, Cheers, I think, Cheers was a very old show. That's true. That's true. Yeah, like, was, I think it was, was like Creepshow. Yes. Let me see. I'm, I'm looking now. Now you got me looking. Ed Harris. I, I, think, I remember it being Ted Danson. Leslie Nielsen. Richard Gere. I see Richard Gere. Ned Beatty. I do not see. In the first one? I believe I'm, he got. Yeah, he was in the one with the with the like the guy, like I think it was called like High Tide or something. I remember it because it was like really creepy to me that the guy would bury them and then like watch them. There he was watching them on the he had video camera set up so they could I'm drown. Looking, I don't see. I see Ed Harris. I see uh, Stephen King. I see Leslie ne- Ted Danson. There he is, Ted Danson. Ah, and it's not. Right. It's not George You've been vindicated. It's not. Uh, it's it's something to tide over you. It's Leslie Nielsen. Oh, it is okay. Well, I was a kid. I thought he was the guy from the A Team, so that's what it was. Talk cause... about talk about a career <laughs> one eighty. Like you went from doing music and fine art to like gross pimple comics about aliens. Les- <laughs> Leslie Neil- different. Leslie, I mean, like, but but Leslie Nielsen at one point was like a serious leading man actor, and then later on in life he turns into this like comedy legend, right? I mean. At a certain point, you go where fate takes you, right? Like, yeah. if I'd if I'd had more, I don't know. Like, if I'd sold one of my children's books and like it had sold a million copies, I'd probably still be making children's books. I don't know if I'd be like creatively satisfied, but you know, life is uh, there. It's very random, you know. It really is. There's like, <laughs> that's the only thing I. I mean, I, I, I'm really grateful that I still um that i still make pictures for a living oh that's right did i did i finish that tangent way back earlier when i was saying about the advice that i got about how if you're not uh if you're not doing what you're best at to earn a living then you're you're kind of cheating yourself like regardless of what it is and so someone gave me that advice and that was at a point in my life when i was really lost i had some shitty job in an office it was terrible um and i was like i was like i'm the only thing i'm good at is drawing pictures like i have to figure out it's what i love to do it's what i'm best at i gotta find some way to make that what i do for work you know and so even when i was doing i worked in animation for a long time i still do sometimes um doing back i started before computers and i was doing uh uh started as a background painter you know and i worked on some pretty crappy tv commercials and stuff like that but even when i was doing that i was like at least i'm drawing and painting like mm-hmm. at least yeah. i'm doing that you know and so now that i'm able to do it and actually uh you know do it in the in the format that i realize is my favorite format which is comics you know and get to have my name on on the cover of some of these books it's like i i couldn't ask for couldn't ask for anything better in this uh this part of my life that's so. awesome when you also got to be a professor right you teach you said that at uh what yeah, university I, I teach teach at sva school of visual arts here in new york and and that is really cool one of the coolest things about teaching there is that so much of the faculty are like my heroes <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I went to, i went to my first i went to my first faculty uh brunch uh last year and like it was at klaus jansen's apartment wow i'm like in klaus jansen's apartment who like 
any like I said before, like I didn't anytime he was credited as the inker in a comic when I was a kid, I was like, like this guy inks better than almost anybody else. I mean, there were others, Tom Palmer, uh uh others too, but like, you know, I was I was in Klaus Jansen's apartment, like hanging awesome. out talking about curriculum and 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 teaching and stuff. And so yeah, that was another thing where I was like, wow, um, some good things have, have happened for me. Well, that's uh, I would feel that way too. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited yeah. for you. Now you and can it's cool. Now FDA you can cool. you can order um what's it right now. You can get it at fine bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. I'm sure your local comic shop has it. This thing looks really great. It's very funny. It's 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 just a it's a good book, man. It's a great concept. And uh, we were really happy to have you on, Gideon. So thank you very much for being a part of the word bros. Yo, man, this is so fun. I love blathering on about myself. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving me an opportunity to do that. I really appreciate it. You of guys course, are awesome. of course. And hey, yeah. con- congratulations, Eisner winner, uh, Gideon Kendall. Boom, check that out, baby. Can't take that away from you. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.